Good morning. Our first reading this morning comes from the book of Job in the first chapter. We pick up in verse 1. Hear these words. There once was a man who lived in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He had seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold feasts in one another's houses in turn, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the feast days had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This is what Job always did. Our second reading comes again from the book of Job in the first chapter. We jump ahead a few verses and pick up in verse 13. Here, this is just after God has had a conversation with, as we read in the scriptures, the word Satan. Here, we see Job's life change. Hear these words. One day, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the donkeys were feeding beside them, and the sabines fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Caldans formed three columns and made a raid on the camels and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the desert, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrongdoing. So today we begin a journey, as I said, six weeks in this series where we focus on the book of Job. Within this book, we will begin to hear of Job's suffering, of his struggle in this broken world that he lives. But we also will be reminded, most importantly, of the encouragement and comfort that is provided 
provided to all of God's children when they face these turbulent times. We will then begin, as we go through this, to explore the very question that most of us will ask from one time or another. Why, why does suffering exist? Why do those who seem to be doing so well in the world have to face trouble? Why, even for ourselves, we think, God, why me? Why do I have to go through this? And we will hear through Job's story, which for a lot of us can be our story, that in the midst of pain and suffering, that we can find our faith, our trust, that our Creator, the Lord, our God, will always give us strength to journey through these turbulent times. So as I begin, I, I wanted to explore and make sure we all understood and know who Job is. Job, he was a truly righteous man, blessed with so many wonderful gifts. We opened, as I read earlier in the first chapter, we see that a man who lived in the land of Uz, a land far removed from the land of Israel, the promised land that God had promised to his people and to the world, Job lived far from this. We know Job most likely was not an Israelite. But yet he had a faith and a love for God. Faith and love for God that was so great that the people around him knew that this, this man is a man of faith. A man who loves God above all else. But he was more than just that. He was also a very wealthy man. Job had it all. He had ten children, seven sons, and three daughters. The sheep, the camels, the oxen, the donkeys, all represented his wealth in society. He was above all the wealthiest man in the land of Uz. And above that, he was blessed with many servants to help him. Here was a man who has it all. Has it all. And then we see in verse 4, his sons would go and hold feasts in one another's house. Now this is an important point to note. Because his children, specifically his sons, would have these celebrations. Now, we, I need to point out, these were not like picnics that we would have in our backyard where we would have friends over and we would have a barbecue and some drinks and we would enjoy the evening or the, the day. No, it was much grander than that. It would last for days on end. And on top of that, his sons would invite his daughters, his, their sisters, to come and eat and drink with them. Now this is an important fact because in society during this period of time, this was a big sin. This was not something you did. Because during this period of the world, women were seen to be below servants. They had no rights. 
They were seen as property. Equal to the animals that plowed the fields. And so for the sons to extend an invitation to their sisters. Well, that put them even in a worse light in the world. But yet here, Job. Job could disown his, his sons. He could turn and say, no, get out. But he doesn't. He calls them and he sanctifies, he cleanses them of their choices. And then, most importantly, Job goes to God and he says, it may mean my children have sinned and cursed you in your hearts, he says. He says, but please forgive them for here, here is my offerings. Here is the atonement for their sins. I, Job, their father, come to you. And God would wipe away their sins. When we jump ahead to the 13th verse, we begin to see, here is a righteous man. Here is his world beginning to fall apart. Now, some things you need to understand about the book of Job. The book of Job is three parts. We have in the beginning a prologue which begins to introduce who Job is and the relationship he has with God. It shows us that here is a righteous man who honors God above all else. He knows that God is the one who has blessed him with everything he has. Not just his children, not just his wealth, but his own life. He sees God in everything. These first two chapters of the book of Job set the scene for this for us. It also begins to show us a conversation which will then take place throughout the rest of the book of Job until we reach the end. There's a part of this first chapter which I didn't read to you, but it's a conversation between God and this figure called the Satan, or we might pronounce it as Satan. But the Satan is a Hebrew word for accuser. A conversation between God and an accuser who points to Job and the accuser says, well, here, here, look at this. This is a servant who is righteous. There's no one like him on earth, blameless and upright, he says. He always turns away from sin. He walks the straight and narrow. Have you protected him? He asked God. You know what, he says to God. If you really gave this guy some struggles, he'd turn and run from you in a heartbeat. He, he says to God, if, if you really put some pressure on Job, he'd really crack and, and really turn away from you. Because he, he really, he's just got a protection so great around him. He has no choice but to follow you, he says. And God says, well, let me show you how faithful he is. And it begins this conversation, which takes place over these next many, many chapters, until we reach the end, when the question then is asked, why do people suffer? Why does suffering have to exist 
And the sad reality is the question never truly gets answered. But what does get answered, what does get truly pointed out, is that God, who is a just and loving and caring God, will stand with each and every one of us through every turbulent time that we face. Even when we don't realize God is there, He still stands with us because you are His beloved children. And He never turns away. He never leaves. And so as we break this chapter down, as we break what we read about this man, we get to the 13th verse and we see that all of a sudden now, things have made a change. His sons and daughters are off drinking and partying and having a good time at the oldest house. And an individual shows up and he tells Job, the oxen and the donkeys that you have to take care of everything, to plow the fields, to get ready, they're gone. They're gone. And the servants that were there to help them, they're gone too. And then, if that's not enough, another shows up and he tells him, and guess what? Not just those are gone. But a fire from heaven came and took your sheep and the servants that were with them too. And if that wasn't enough, another shows up and says, the camels and the servants that were with them are gone as well. All of his wealth has been wiped away in an instant. Now Job could pause there and say, well, but I still have my family. I still have my children. Even in their sinful ways, I still have them with me. And then someone else shows up and tells Job, you don't have your children anymore. They're gone too. A wind came and blew the house down that they were in and they are now no more. The only thing you have, Job, is the four of us that have come to tell you this story. Now Job could do what many of us may want to do. Shake our fists and scream at God and say, God, how dare you do this to me? I have done everything right. I have followed you. I have gone to church on Sundays. I have read the Bible. I pray to you. I have given to the church. Why would you allow me to suffer? Why would you allow pain to enter my life? Why, 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 God? It's so easy to do that. It's so quick for us to do that. The world does it over and over again. And I can understand Everything you have is gone in an instant. Job tears his robe and shaves his head. But the verse doesn't stop there. Job then falls to the ground. Not in anguish. Not in sorrow. Nor in anger, but he does so to praise God. He falls to the ground. He kneels at the altar and he says, Thanks be to God because I know you have not abandoned me. You, Lord, are still with me. He says, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? God has given to us and God has taken away. And so therefore we should praise God for what he has taken. We had so much and now we have so little. Let's praise God for that. Let's give thanks to God that we have nothing now. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? But the truth is, what Job demonstrates to us is a recognition that God is all we ever need. Even when we can't understand who God is, He is the one we must hold on to. Suffering will happen in our world, in our lives, in our community all the time. We, no matter what we try and do, cannot get away from it. It is all around us. Sometimes that suffering is simple little things and sometimes it's great and mighty things. But the truth is, it is always there. We can try as we might to avoid it, but sometimes it will come knocking on our door. But we have a choice and how we respond. Our human nature is to, is to be angry, is to cry, is to wonder and worry, how will I get through this tomorrow? That's okay. That's our human nature. But what Job demonstrates in this first chapter is that we must praise God that he is still with us. He has not forsaken us. He has not abandoned any of us. Because we are his beloved children who he uniquely created in the beginning and said with a loud, booming voice, it is good. You are good. Let the angels rejoice. Let them rejoice for you and who you are. Now there is a temptation in some to point to those who suffer and say, you know, if they were not suffering, if they would only repent of the sinful life they leave, well, then suffering would go away. There would be no more suffering. If they would just turn from their sins, why, well, that would be good. But the problem with that is when we do that, we begin to then use suffering as a weapon as a tool to create shame, to create hurt, and to allow them to forget that God is at work in their lives, that God is still present in their brokenness, because God is still pro present in our brokenness too. So our calling should be what Job does, is to go to God in praise. And to share that good news with them. That God still loves you. God hasn't changed in his love for you. Regardless of where you are in life. No matter what you might be going through. God is still present. In the midst of all of this. We do not know who these four were that came to Job to share the news. We do not know if they were servants who escaped whether they were passerbys who saw what happened. But all we know is God sent four voices back to Job to tell of the story and to say to Job, that is gone, but I am still here. 
four voices to Job to say, I, your God, will not leave your life, even if you, even if you lose the clothes on your back, I shall remain your God. And so may that be for us as we go through this story, as we journey through the life of Job. May we hear for ourselves where we are in this place. Job throughout this book will have conversations with individuals, with friends, about this very topic. And at times Job will get frustrated and angry, and at times Job will wonder, does God really truly love me? I mean, if God really truly loves me, well, then suffering shouldn't exist. And my hope is that through all of this, we ourselves not just will see where we are in this story, but we will begin to recognize that God does not, has not, and will never abandon us because we are his beloved children. And we are called to share that amazing grace, that amazing love with the world. Amen.